Hello and welcome to Wide Left Sports. Today I am joined by author and radio show host out of Arizona, John Rust. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Mitch. How are you doing today? I'm doing really great. So you wrote a book called We're Called the or You're Called the What? And it's about different sports names across the country that are just crazy. Sometimes they're bad, wacky. I have to say, I didn't read the whole book yet. I, I have it, but I've read half of it. There are some very crazy names in there. Um, there so, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, yes, uh, there, there are. I mean, uh, I mean, some of them I, I knew already. I think some of them some people are familiar with. Like, uh, say, UC Santa Cruz, Banana Slugs. I think they're yep. one of the more famous ones uh, here in Arizona. We have uh, one of our community colleges, Scottsdale College, and they're the fighting artichokes. And I've covered quite a few games involving them. And I've actually known some student athletes in my area who've played for them. But obviously, when you go from coast to coast and even reaching up into Canada, uh, you can find some just outlandish names. Even going back to like the, the early part of the 20th century, especially with some of the minor league and independent baseball teams. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, you actually mentioned two that I'm familiar with that I don't know if a lot of people are, the Missoula Osprey and then the Idaho Falls Chuckers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, actually I thought what was funny was uh, how the Paddleheads, uh, or the Ospreys, you said they became the Paddleheads. Right. Because <laughs> when I was researching that, I'm kind of going, well, why are they call, changing their name? Because Missoula Ospreys is actually a pretty cool name. And yeah. I thought one of the really cool aspects of the team was how they actually had Ospreys nesting at the stadium. And in fact, I think it was uh, University of Montana, I believe, they actually built a platform for the, the Ospreys to nest in. So... To me, it didn't make a lot of sense to change the name when they had uh, a really nice tradition with that name, but I can't complain too much about Paddleheads. I don't know. I I even mentioned this in the book. I don't know if they're going to build a little sanctuary for a moose to roam around there. (laughs) They could. There are moose in the area, but I don't know. So what was your inspiration for the book as a whole? Well, again, being being a sports reporter for as long as I have, uh, I've come across some some pretty crazy names in my time. I go back to when I started covering games for the Trenton Thunder when they first came to Trenton, New Jersey, back in the '90s. And well, what happened was the Thunder in their first year were affiliated with the Detroit Tigers. Then the next year they became a Red Sox affiliate. Well, that left New Britain out in the cold because they were the New Britain Red Sox. And the team owners are like, well, we can't keep calling ourselves the Red Sox when they're no longer an <laughs> affiliate. So because Stanley Tools had their corporate headquarters in New Britain at the time, they decided, well, let's kind of let's like throw out the New Britain identity, call ourselves Hardware City. And then I believe there's a fan contest and they came up with Rock Cats, um, which, you know, every I remember going to games between the Thunder and the Rock Cats. And every time our PA announcer would say the name of uh, the other team, it sounded like he was saying Rock Cats instead of Rock Cats. <laughs> so that was maybe my first experience with a really strange name. Then being a sports reporter here in Arizona, as I said, I've had experience with uh, the Scottsdale Artichokes. We have a high school down in Yuma called the Yuma High School Criminals, and a lot of some of that is based on the fact that the uh, 
old territorial jail in Arizona is located in Yuma. In fact, I actually did a tour down there. We went down there on a family trip one time and just looking around the, the stone walls of the prison going, boy, it must be miserable in this place, especially <laughs> Yuma in July and you're stuck in a place like this. We had that. Um, we have Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University here in town, and they're they're with the NAIA, and they have a couple of schools. They play in the CalPAC conference with some really crazy names. You have Cal Maritime. Uh, they're the Keel Haulers. Uh, you have Providence Christian. They're the Sea Bankers. In fact, I actually know a person who's playing for their volleyball team uh, <laughs> over there. And I think after a while, and uh, looking at some other minor league names, uh, I was like, you know, there's got to be so many other really crazy, outlandish, and even stupid names out there. You know, I'd just like to research it and put it together in one big book covering the professional sports all the way down to high school. And that's how I came up with You're Called the What. And it, it was really fun to research. It, it kind of took a lot of work, but it, it was fun to research, and especially when you think of uh, – all the teams out there who have rather ordinary names. Now, how many teams from East Coast to West Coast are called the Eagles, the Bears, the Panthers, the Warriors, the Falcons? And how many of them are called, say, the Meloneers or the Noises <laughs> or the Criminals? <laughs> There's not many, and you're exactly right. There's so many that just go in that mold of, let's pick – you know, the lions, falcons, whatever animal. <laughs> so what was your favorite team name that you covered? Um, it might be a toss-up because one of my all-time favorite names, and I have it in the book, is Marshall University. They're the thundering herd. And I just always love that name. Just sound like, you know, such a, you know, just powerful, strong name. And what was funny was I liked uh, I liked the ter I liked the name Thundering Herd so much when I was writing my Jack Rast encrypted novels or my first one Sea Raptor uh, I wanted to make Jack Raston an ROTC graduate instead of a West Point graduate I'm like okay well what college is my character Jack Raston going to go to and I'm like well you know I like the name Thundering Herd so he's gonna he's gonna do his ROTC at Marshall <laughs> University. But another one that really caught my eye was Avon Old Farms. It's a, it's a boarding school. It's a little boarding school in Connecticut. And they had probably one of the most creative names ever. They're called the Avon Old Farms Winged Beavers. <laughs> That's great. So what are your thoughts? You know, you have the Cleveland Guardians and you have the football team having to change their name due to political correctness. What are your thoughts on teams that have to do it for that? Honestly, I, I think in a lot of cases, it, it, it's ridiculous. Uh, there have been quite a few polls put out over the past few years that have, have polled uh, you know, Native Americans. And it seems like in all those polls, the vast majority say that, uh, no, we're not offended by these names like the Cleveland Indians. In fact, I remember a story years back where they said the Cleveland Indians changed their name. I, I think they were either called the Spiders or the Naps at the time, but they became the Cleveland Indians because they had a player on their team who was actually a Native American. Um, and then you also have the case with uh, the Florida Seminoles, or the Florida State Seminoles, excuse me. And 
the Seminole tribe has actually uh, granted them permission to use their name and their likeness for their mascot. They have no problem with it. And a few weeks ago on my show, uh, I did a segment where apparently there is a group out there who wants Notre Dame University to change their name to the Fighting Irish. And I actually have Irish blood in me. And I have never once been offended by the term fighting Irish or the use of the leprechauns. It's just part of Irish culture. And as far as the fighting Irish go, you look at the history of the Irish. You look at all their revolutions they've had against English rule, the Irish Civil War. There was an Irish brigade that fought for the Union in the Civil War that uh, actually I believe out of all the Union brigades, the Irish Brigade had the most loss of life of any brigade in the Union Army at that time. Wow. So, <clears throat> how did you find that most team names were selected? Was it a committee? Was it a poll? Was it just the owner saying, this is the team name and like it? <laughs> uh, you know what? A lot of times it's all of the above. Uh, one of the things that... Uh, minor sports teams like to do these days is take it to the fans. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of the professional teams I have in there, they did fan polls. In fact, just last year, we had a new um, indoor football league team set up here in, uh, in the Prescott area, uh, the Northern Arizona Wranglers. And that's what they did. They went to the fans and say, Hey, you know, here's a list of ideas. Vote, vote for the one that uh, you really like. A lot of teams uh, have done that, and some of them got pretty creative. Others, it's just kind of up to the owners. I believe you mentioned the uh, Idaho Falls uh, Chuckers, and that was one of the things where the owner was like, "Hey, you know, I used to go chucker hunting, and uh, <laughs> you know, I think we should call ourselves the Chuckers." So, and um, and some of them uh, kind of come as a result of student protests. I mentioned the Scottsdale Fighting Artichokes. And the funny story there is when Scottsdale College formed in, you know, 1970, 71, yeah, I, they were just getting on their feet. Most of their classes were held in portable trailers. And I think about three years after Scottsdale College formed, the, the powers that be there decided we want to try to make ourselves more prominent. How do we make ourselves more prominent? Well, we get involved in athletics, and they spent, uh, I think, about four, maybe three, four, five million dollars to build a new gymnasium. Well, meanwhile, the, a lot of the faculty and staff were saying to themselves, hey, we're having our classes in these portable trailers. We're not in even actual classrooms, or we don't have like actual you know, academic buildings, and they're building a new gym? Well, we don't like this at all. So when the school officials came to the student body and said, so what do you think we should call our mascot? A lot of them said, well, let's just come up with some of the most ridiculous names around. <laughs> uh, actually, one of the names that was bandied about was the Scottsdale College Rutabagas. Um, and then the artichokes also got on the list. And Artichokes was the one they eventually picked, but after a while, instead of being a name used as a form of protest, the school actually started to embrace the identity of Artichokes, probably because it was so unique, and 
that's what they are to the, to this day. Uh, you know, it's, it's always fun whenever I can do play by play or cover a game that you have a by college, and then they play the uh, the uh, Scottsdale College. Like, hey, I can say fighting artichokes all day long. That's cool. Yeah, we have one like that here in Montana. That if people don't know the town, they won't understand it. Um, we have the Chinook Sugar Beaters. They have a big sugar beet factory there in Chinook, and it's just a sugar beet head with a menacing face, and it's. It's probably one of the best mascots we have in Montana. Just I believe I, I think that's also in my book too. I'd have to double check because sometimes, like when you've done so many teams in that <laughs> book, it's like did I put the team in there or no? I think I did. I think I did. Yeah, no, it's it's great. I think they've either been put in for best mascot awards or something, and it it's just funny to you know have that connection to a team like that. So with creative team names, you know, like the Sugar Beaters or one of my personal favorites, the uh, Rocket City Trash Pandas. <laughs> um, I got you, a t-shirt with them, too. <laughs> do you find that with creative names like that, they also have more creative logos? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, one that comes to mind would be the uh, Rocky Ford High School Meloneers in Colorado, uh, which I didn't even know this before. Like, when you think of Colorado, you don't think of melons, but... You know, the, the area around Rocky Ford, they, you know, melon, you know, the melon business is big there, and they have an anthropomorphic melon with big, like, Hulk Hogan arms and a mean <laughs> grin on, their fa on its face, and I think that is just such a really cool logo there, and yeah, something like that you can have a lot of fun with. Another one was a minor league baseball team back east, the Norwich Sea Unicorns. And I got to get myself a T-shirt of this because the logo is really awesome. It's it's a narwhal wearing a, a captain's hat, and it's holding a baseball bat that has a harpoon in it. <laughs> so that was another good one. Oh, another that's really great. awesome one is a minor league team, the Florida Fire Frogs, which has a frog jumping with flames on its back. So yeah, I think the more creative you are with uh, your name, the more definitely the more creative you can be uh, with those logos. So then to kind of bounce off of that, also, do you find that their stadiums have better atmospheres? If you've been to any of the stadiums with you know names like that? Uh, not personally, but doing research for my book, uh, there are some places that uh, you know they do kind of take advantage of uh, the name to create a, a more fun atmosphere. Uh, one of them is the Montgomery Biscuits, uh, a double-A baseball team. In fact, um, we had a guy here in the Prescott area, Jason Pridey was his name. Uh, he actually spent uh, a season with Montgomery. And I'm trying to remember, I, I think he was on a Montgomery Biscuit team that uh, that won the double-A championship, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, one of the things they do is, and I'm sure you've seen this, you go to stadiums and they'll have those T-shirt cannons and fire T-shirts yeah. into the crowd. Well, what they do in Montgomery, they have those cannons, but instead of firing T-shirts in the crowd, they actually fire actual biscuit sandwiches <laughs> into the crowd. Oh, that's great. Another one I know is just a complete gimmick the entire time is the Savannah Bananas. <laughs> the Kilts? Yep. <laughs> they they went full send into the whole gimmick of the bananas and just everything. <laughs> That's great to see. We have a semi-pro team here um, in Billings called the Billings Mustangs. And they have a good atmosphere, but it's just very professional. And I, I don't know, I don't know why. 
but we just don't have the fun, fun atmosphere that some of those places have, and it's too bad. Because I know when, when I used to cover Trenton Thunder games, and yeah, I mean Thunder's probably been used by by quite a few a few other teams, but they really had a nice atmosphere. Because you know minor league stadiums, you know they're they're pretty small. You you have like a you're just just kind of a really familiar setting there. You're not all that far from the field. Yeah. But in between innings, the Thunder would do all kinds of promotions. The mascot Boomer would run around. And one of my favorite things they do during uh, in between innings was the dizzy bat race. Uh, <laughs> that was always fun to watch. And, and also the the Thunder, what they did was over the last several years, they actually uh, would have a golden retriever and uh, in. In one inning, he would actually come out to uh, near the plate, and he would be the one to pick up the bat and take it back to the dugout. Oh, nice! Yeah, that's kind of the the cool thing with with minor leagues, and even up here in some of the minor leagues, we've had uh, we've had the Arizona Sun Dogs for for hockey, we had the Northern Arizona Suns for the NBA G League, and now we have the Wranglers, and you know they try to do all they can to. Make you know during those uh, downtimes, timeouts, and in between uh, periods, try to do things to just really uh, pump up the audience and just make it a fun, family-friendly atmosphere. Right. So you have mentioned the Trenton Thunder numerous times here in this interview. Growing up in the '90s and early 2000s, did you have any run-ins with Derek Jeter by chance while you were working there? working for New Jersey 101.5 in Trenton at, at the time. Uh, the Thunder, their first year in 94, they were a Tigers affiliate. Uh, now, they did have Tony Clark on the team at the oh, time. Oh, wow. Um, it's kind of fun interviewing him because he's like 6'8", and I'm like about 5'10", so I kind of have to like hold my arm all the way up to just get my microphone up to his mouth. But, uh, but then uh, 95 and 96, 96 was the year I moved uh, from New Jersey, Arizona, but those last two years, they were a Red Sox affiliate, so it wasn't until a few years after I moved to Arizona that it became a Yankees affiliate, but their first year as a Red Sox affiliate, I got to see Nomar Garciaparra play down there, and I'll, t- I'll tell you what, even even in double-A watching him there, I was going, yeah, this, guy, this guy's going to be a major leaguer one day, definitely, but... I saw him down there. Um, Trot Nixon was another one that I got a chance to, to see. Jeff Supon you know, didn't become a, a superstar, but he had himself a pretty lengthy major league career and been a rather successful one. Um, the Binghamton Mets were also in there, so I got to see uh, Jason Isringhausen when he was in the minors. And one of the funnier ones was also in the Eastern League was the Harrisburg Senators, which at the time was a Montreal Expos affiliate. And 96 was the year that uh, the Thunder was hosting the AA All-Star Game. And I remember hanging around some of the uh, minor league beat reporters, and I heard one of them say, hey, this kid who's playing for Harrisburg, you better keep an eye on him because uh, he's going to be something one day. And that kid from Harrisburg they were talking about was Vladimir Guerrero. (laughs) Oh, that is awesome. for sure. He became something and then passed it down to his son. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. So another question that I have here is, do you have any future books planned? Oh, I always have future books planned. In fact, uh, this one just came out. It's called uh, Pennsylvania's All-Time Baseball Team. And this is like my kind of my sixth installment of all-time teams. 
Um, and what I did for this one is I took uh, players who were born or raised in Arizona, or not Arizona, in Pennsylvania, <laughs> and I made an all-time 25-man roster for them. So I have a starting eight, uh, a starting rotation, a bullpen, the bench, manager, and again, all players born or raised in Pennsylvania. And man, a lot of talent came out of Pennsylvania. Just, just kind of giving a few spoilers for the Pennsylvania team. Uh, Stan Musial is a Pennsylvania native. Uh, Roy Campanella. Reggie Jackson is another one. Wow. Spark, Sparky Lyle uh, was a Pennsylvania native. In fact, this chapter was kind of fun because uh, you know, Sparky Lyle had a, was a pretty interesting dude. And uh, it was kind of a pretty comedic chapter, especially when I found out that uh, one of the pranks he liked to pull in the clubhouse was if, uh, if a player had a birthday, you know, they'd wheel in the cake and sing happy birthday, but before anyone could eat this cake, Sparky Lyle sat on the cake. Oh, I forgot to mention, Sparky Lyle sat on the, sat on the cake wearing nothing at all. <laughs> oh, God, that's great. <laughs> but I've done Pennsylvania, I've done New Jersey's all-time baseball team, Arizona's all-time baseball team. I've also done the same formula with uh, the Phillies, Red Sox, and the Dodgers, where I do all-time 25-man rosters of you know those players. So I mean, I have a starting lineup, like say for the Dodgers, where you've got Ron Say, Gil Hodges, and Clayton Kershaw in there. So another kind of fun books to put together. But uh, I mean, I, I've always got other books in the work. I'm I'm, I'm about ready to wrap up sending uh, my next uh, Jack Rast encrypted hunting book through. Um, through my critique group. Um, I also came out with my first time travel novel this year called Red Portal, which sees uh, modern North Korean and U.S. and South Korean forces go back in time to 1950 to try to keep the North Koreans from changing the Battle of Incheon. And again, I always have other ideas going around my head for future novels. Wow, that is impressive. So where can we find all your novels? I know I found this one on Amazon. Are the rest on Amazon as well? Yep, uh, you can just go to Amazon, type in John J. Rust, and uh, you'll see all my books there. Uh, I do, I've done sports books, I do sci-fi, action adventure. I've got a, I got a history book. You know, kind of in this, maybe in the same vein of you're called the what? It's called weird and interesting stuff from World War II, where I look at some of the, um, some of the more interesting and obscure pieces of equipment and people and battles and situations that happened in World War II. Like, uh, just for example, uh, I have a section in there about the, the Soviet Union's attempt to build a tank glider. And yes, they built a glider to carry a tank, and they did, <laughs> they did have one test flight with it. And I'm sure you can imagine what will happen when you have a glider carrying a big tank. Uh, another yeah. one was about the, a Dutch minesweeper uh, in the Pacific Ocean, and this is after... Um, the this is after uh, some of the early battles in the Pacific where what was left of the Dutch fleet in the Pacific was just wiped out by the Japanese. And all you have this little minesweeper with, you know, one little cannon and a couple of machine guns. They're like, well, we're not going to be able to, you know, we're not going to be able to take on Japanese destroyers or cruisers. So what they did was they, they uh, dropped anchor off uh, a couple of islands in Indonesia, went inland. They brought back trees and branches and leaves. They put it all over the minesweeper. And they disguise themselves as an island. They just oh, sit out geez. there during the day looking like an island, and then they sail at night. And, hey, after eight days, they actually got to Australia safely. So those are the kind of things I have in that book. And like I said, it's kind of in the same vein of You're Called the What, 
where you have uh, just all kinds of obscure and just really interesting and weird facts. That's really neat. I will definitely be checking more of those out. And also another thing I wanted to add here is you have a sports radio show in Arizona there. But sadly, not all of my followers are from Arizona. So where can we listen to it on the internet to where we can get your radio show? Oh, no problem. Um, our website is kyca.info. And uh, also, if you, if you go to the website, there's a section there called Archives. You click on that, and the show is called Tri-City Sports Roundup. So you can listen to uh, past episodes of that. And uh, like I said, again, the website is kyca.info. And also, if you're interested in what's going on in the local sports world here with our high schools and our uh, colleges, we've got stories all over our main page that deal with that. Great. Well, John, do you have anything else you would like to add? or? Um, just uh, hopefully uh, all you folks will be interested in finding out about some of the weird and crazy names in the sports world and hey some of some of these teams might be uh you know near where you're located heck you might have even gone to one of these schools for for all i know someone out there could could be a former uh you know uc irvine anteater or they could be a former providence christian sea beggar or a former thundering herd herdsman or herdswoman or whatever you want to, whatever that's called. So, uh, so again, hopefully that's, uh, that's sparked interest because this was a fun book to put together and, uh, hopefully it will be a fun read for anyone who picks it up. Well, I know it has been for me. And again, John, thank you. You were the first person to reach out for, out to me for an interview. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate you taking the time to do this with me. Hey, no problem, Mitch. And again, thank you for the opportunity, and thanks, everyone, for watching. And, uh, hey, man, you have yourself a good day up there in Montana. All right, thanks. You have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm.